Yeah, we're brought to you by Fire. Pardon me. We're brought to you by Flying U Rodeo. That's Flying U Rodeo, providing quality family entertainment for more than 60 years. Whitey and Watkins with J-Mars in for Watkins today. And coming to you via the Folsom Lake Honda hotline. Folsom Lake Honda, your one-stop Honda shop, as Christopher Laud mentioned. From the Candlestick Chronicles, a pleasure to welcome back Chris Biederman. Chris, thanks so much for your time. We got a game here coming up in days. We got no uh, Nick Bosa. What is the holdup? Uh, with the Nick Bosa situation here for the 49ers. Man, I ha- I haven't heard anything because, you know, as I'm sure you guys have heard from from other reports too, like at both sides are, are being extremely quiet on this whole thing. But one thing I, I think uh, an important piece of context to remember, going back to 2020 when George Kittle was getting his uh, five-year $75 million extension, a real key component of that were the roster triggers that actually came a year early, which was kind of unprecedented for the 49ers. The way the 49ers have typically structured their big contracts have been to guarantee something close to the first two years of those deals with um, early April roster bonuses that sort of allow the team to decide if they want to keep that player for the following season. What Kittle did in his negotiation, and a reason why it got a little bit contentious back then was because Kittle's camp wanted those triggers to come a year early. So he would essentially by April of say 2021, if that trigger, the four hours obviously pulled that trigger, it would allow, it would ensure that he's on the roster in 2022 and his, and his 2022 money would be guaranteed a year early. I think the, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if something like that was afoot here with the Nick Bosa thing, because Look, Nick Bosa obviously has an injury history going back to college and even in high school, and it would make plenty of sense for him to want as much um, as much security as possible, given that. And if you're the 49ers, you look at all the high high paid guys you have on your roster. Basically, when you guarantee money, it it takes away your flexibility a little bit to restructure contracts and create cap space and pay more guys which is one thing the 49ers have had going for them, right? They've been able to restructure a lot of their contracts to create cap space for guys like Charvarius Ward or Javon Hargrave um, and all the other big contracts that they have. So at some point, you know, like creating cap space is, is sort of like sort of like having a credit card, right? You, you're going to have to make that payment eventually. You might not need, it might not be coming out of your bank account right now, but you, you pay for that flexibility down the road. And the 49ers really want to have that flexibility because they might be paying Brock Purdy you know, 40, $50 million a year, a few years down the line. Right. So they're trying to factor all that into this Nick Bosa contract extension. I would bet, and I haven't heard this, this is just me speculating, but it would be something to do with when, when those guarantees hit and if they are a year or two out and how much those guarantees are, which ultimately costs the 49ers flexibility, which frankly makes it more difficult to, to pay a bunch of guys, which, which they've been, been able to do the last few years. We're talking with Chris Biederman from the Candlestick Chronicles. So, Chris, Ian Rappaport said yesterday there needs to be, um, and I'm this is not an exact quote, uh, significant movement from yeah. both sides in order to get this deal done with Bosa. In your opinion, the way you're evaluating this, do you think we will see Nick Bosa on the field Sunday against Pittsburgh? You know, I honestly have no idea. I, I think, uh, you know, deadline spur action, right? And so, obviously, the 49ers, you, you remember last year when Nick Bosa missed the game against the Atlanta Falcons. And the Falcons ran for 168 yards in a 14-point 49ers loss. 
Um, you know, Nick Bosa is obviously an incredibly important player as a pass rusher, but I think what goes underrated about his game is how good he is at setting the edge and, and being a run game player. And when you can run on the 49ers or on anybody in the NFL, you're going to, you're going to be successful because you're like the baseline for playing defense in the NFL starts with the run. We can talk about it being a passing league, but if you can't stop the run, you're not going to stop anybody because that sets up play action and all those things. So Nick, Nick Bosa's value to the team, I think was encapsulated in that game because of how different the defense looked because the Falcons were able to just run on the edges the entire, the entire game. And the 49ers lost by 14 points to a team that went seven and 10. Um, So like, and and, you know, you're looking at Cleveland Furl and Drake Jackson, you know, Cleveland Furl's, I guess a replacement level type player. We don't know what Drake Jackson is yet after his somewhat disappointing rookie season. But um, so there is a ton of the, like, I think Nick Bosa has a lot of leverage and it's going to be up to the 49ers to cave. And, you know, I, I think what's interesting about it is they've talked so much about being all in on this season and this core group of players that you might have to sacrifice some of your future flexibility. And that might mean having to trade some guys for draft picks instead of giving them, uh, you know, second, third contracts going forward. And, and that's a concession I think the 49ers are going to have to make. Um, does that mean they'll make it, you know, it's Tuesday. Will they make it today or tomorrow so Nick Bosa can get on the practice field? I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. I wouldn't put it past Nick Bosa or his camp to just say, no, we're we're holding we're holding the line. We're not making any concessions until you come to us with what we want and we're willing to miss games because of it. So, uh, you know, your guess is as good as mine. I wish I had a better answer for you, but it wouldn't surprise me if he if he didn't play week one. Put it that way. Chris Biederman, nice enough to join us from uh, Candlestick Chronicles as he's going to uh, throughout the season. I know the 49ers are talking about the importance of getting off to a good start this year. We also know that the last couple of years they didn't get off to a good start. Ultimately, it didn't matter that much. So uh, in your estimation, how important is it for them this season to get off to a, a better start than they've gotten off to the last couple of years? Yeah, I mean, they went three and four last year. I think they started four and six in uh, in 2021. Yeah, or three and five in, in 2021. And that was just... You know, you remember that season having to go to Dallas, to Green Bay, to the Rams, like that. All that stuff matters, right? Yeah. It's a, it's a lot more difficult to win in the playoffs when you have to go on the road, um, all those times. And and we saw in 2019, obviously, when they were the number one seed, they had a relatively easy path beating the Vikings and Packers at home, um, to get to the Super Bowl. So obviously, the stakes are higher with only one team getting the bye. And after a 17 week schedule, it's really important for these teams to, to, you know, to try to get a buy in the first round of the playoffs, because it is an advantage because now only one team gets it. So yeah, the, getting off to a, getting off to a, a better start has to be super important for them because those early losses have cost them seating, which has made their, you know, if, if the NFC championship game, for example, was in San Francisco, does it look different than, than what it was for, mm-hmm. Um, in Philadelphia, obviously, and, and going back to the NFC championship game in LA against the Rams, you know, obviously it would have been more important to, or it would have been helpful to have that at Levi's stadium for the 49ers. So yeah, I think when it comes to getting off to a better start, it's all about seeding for them. And if they could get that first round by it's such a huge advantage on top of home field. Um, so that's, that's really what I look to is Kyle Shanahan's teams have typically played at their best football in November and December. Um, but now I think it would be a pretty marked change for them to start doing that in September and October. And I think they could, and I think they understand the urgency with that. But to your point, it's a good one. They, they're, they're 
you know, they really have to get off to a better start this season. Chris, yeah, another storyline going into week one is obviously the kicking situation with Jake Moody still dealing with a right quad injury. I know he was kicking at practice yesterday. Is it in the best interest, though, maybe for the 49ers to go with Matthew Wright in week one as a guy who's kicked in Pittsburgh before? It's a notoriously difficult place to kick. Or do you see Moody being able and available to kick on Sunday? And I think it's unfair, Chris, but they're already calling him Matthew Wide Wright. And I think that's totally unfair <laughs> when he hasn't even kicked yet. I think that's just kind of an easy an easy nickname to I make know. when, when that's know. your name and you're a kicker. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, you draft you draft a kicker in the third round. I think the pressure's kind of on to to just play him. Like you don't want to. I I just think it might set a bad precedent if you're treating your kicker with kid gloves. If you know you invested so much in him for a kicker, like I think it's important to just say no. This is our guy, and we're rolling with him, and we don't care what the circumstances are. We don't care if he's a little bit banged up like we this is our kicker. We need to exude confidence in him because us exuding confidence in him hopefully allows him to be more confident in, in himself and kick more confidently. So he's not missing field goals and extra points like he did in the preseason. Um, you know, I th- there is I can't speak to how injured he is or what you know, what the training staff knows or believes ab- about his quad injuries. So that's a little bit tough for me to say, but I'm very much of the mind like dude, tough it out, right? Like you're, you're a highly paid kicker. You're a third round pick. Um, you know, this team replaced a, a, a veteran and Robbie gold who never missed a playoff kick. And so like, just go out there and kick. You're not going to be handled with kid gloves here. Like you're like, tough it out, deal with your quad injury and, and go kick and make field goals in Pittsburgh. All right, Chris, we'll talk to you again next week. We look forward to that. If you're a Niner fan, if you're not already, make sure you check out Candlestick Chronicles with Chris Biederman. Thank you, Chris. Uh, Enjoy the week. We'll talk to you again soon. No problem. Thank you guys so much for having me as always. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Hey, tough it out. Rub some dirt on it. Tough it out. Some rubber tussing on that thing. What's that saying, though? You know, uh, what is that from? Wishing don't make it so or hoping don't make it so, but it sounds like to a degree that's kind of the got to be the 49ers philosophy with Jake Moody. Yeah, no, it is. No, he's our kicker. He's missing kick. Yeah, but he's he's good. He's yeah. a kicker. Never mind the Zane Gonzalez over there in the corner. Yeah. Never mind that. Yeah. <laughs> it's perfectly fine. He's our kicker, it's though. Nothing wrong. Yeah, but he can't make a kick. Well, in practice, he's, yeah. we're good. Number 99 pick, we're guys. We're good. Number Song 99 is, pick. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, did you ever see that movie, The Skeleton Key with Kate Hudson? The voodoo isn't real unless you believe the voodoo is real. Oh. Then it's real. So as long as you believe he's fine, he's fine. Yeah. As soon as you start to think, uh-oh, then just the ask, voodoo is real. Just ask Kate Hudson. Yes. <laughs> yes. I believe that's the first time Skeleton Key has been brought up on the station. Very good. <laughs> Station's been around good? a long time, Whitey. Good for long? I don't know. It's usually me bringing up random movies. <laughs> um, how good... Uh, we just got a little time here left, and, and then we're going to talk 49ers on, on the other side of a quick break. But how good do you think the Steelers are? Because I'm starting to think. Good. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I mean, they played their starters a lot in the preseason, well, and they dominated everybody. Well, of course they did. But they also, what did they finish last year? Like 7-2? and two? And it was like once they replaced Mitchell Trubisky and got that, like, ugh, out of there, this was a this is a top-of-the-line defense. And Pittsburgh. That's a good nickname for Trubisky, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Mitchell Trubisky, better known as. Once they got out there, and I think even Mason Rudolph got some reps last year, and and Pickett obviously got reps, it was a much better football team. Like, are they going to win the Super Bowl this year? Probably not. Are they going to be a really tough opponent that's going to go over 500? Of course they are. Mike Tomlin's their head coach. He's never been under 500. Yeah. Last year would have been the year to get under 500, and he was like, no. He's coaching for a new contract, too. If. 
am I of tell me if I'm wrong. He should be the highest paid coach of the NFL, in my opinion. I think overall he's the best head coach in the NFL. Better than Belichick? More than Belichick? Yes. What has Belichick done post Brady? What did Belichick do pre Brady? Well, he was a really good defensive coach. Sure. So was Mike Nolan. <laughs> I mean, you have to give him some of the credit for some of the things that happened when Singletary Brady was there, was don't a, we? Yeah, you give him some credit, but I think we give it's majority like of the time at this point. Stayed in his hotel room all those years. Yeah, <laughs> tell me how the game goes. I don't have to worry about what's Listen, I'm not there. saying Belichick's not a great coach. I'm just saying if you had to pick today to coach your football team, you're taking Belichick over Tomlin? Well, I'm a Tomlin guy, so I try. it's hard Doesn't for me to separate. Doesn't sound like it right now. <laughs> no, I am. I'm just trying to separate. You know, I'm root for the guy, and he's some of the stuff he does off the field is like, oh, my goodness. What a great man! But I'm trying to separate that here from from uh, the man went nine and eight with with Mitchell Trubisky on his roster. Like, come on! He also tackled a guy running down the sideline exactly. during a game. Exactly during when, a game. When has Bill Belichick done that? <laughs> also, I know we got to go to break, but I, I've really enjoyed Belichick kind of a little bit looser in the media this year. Like he has that like I'm getting ready to be done with this. I don't care anymore type mentality. Something to watch, Whitey Gleason. I really suspect the guy in Tennessee might be the best coach in the NFL. Vrabel? Maybe. Really? Yeah. He's a good coach. Yeah. Over Tomlin, though. Maybe. Well, if you ask Kyle Shanahan, it's Kyle Shanahan. But <laughs> no, You mean besides me, right? Yeah. Uh, coming up next, Peter King's unspeakable. What? Unspeakable prediction what? for how this 49er season is going to end. It's unspeakable, but we have to speak about it. We'll do that. <laughs> Uh, when we come right back here, Whitey and Watkins, Jamar's in for Watkins today. Sacktown Sports. At your desk, on your phone, in the car. Whitey and Watkins on Sacktown Sports. Chris Watkins will be along this afternoon. Whitey Gleason and Jamar's today in his NBA Jam shirt. Buddy Heel, De'Aaron Fox. I got a bone to pick with you at some point, by the way. Let's do it. Right what? now? Go ahead. So you, Bring it. You, you made this song about you and JaVale McGee that you posted on your Twitter X account. Yes. It, it, it's, a, it's, it's, it's good. <laughs> it's well-produced. It's, fun. it's mastered. <laughs> and I'm like, why aren't we playing this on air? No, we're not playing that. Why? Um, you you play one of these little silly songs on a show, and it brings the, sh- the show just stops, man. It's only and I know a minute because I've done it. It's like a cruise line. Hey, how about this? And it's like, oof. Okay. Oh, uh, now we got to start the show again. Sorry about that. Whitey go Gleason. to go to Whitey uh, Gleason. Go to X and check it out if you want to check it. I Whitey appreciate Gleason. your kind words. As the assistant program director of <laughs> Sacktown Sports, I'm going to uh, request that our producer. Cue it up for the end of a break leading I, in. I don't know. That way it doesn't stop down the show. It's the, a nice seamless transition into commercial. The station didn't even retweet it. It's got like three likes or something. So that's another thing. Yeah, but like, we don't even know who runs the station's <laughs> account. And that's fine. Had I'm not I complaining. Running it? I'm and, saying this is why the record company released it on a holiday Monday. Uh, like they said, well... And then you see how it does. Like, yeah, well, you were right to release it on a holiday Monday. I just reposted it. So now it'll get millions of millions okay. upon views. Well, I, but that's, uh, I appreciate that. I was and, impressed. And it's uh, based on, a, it's like a parody of a, let's face it, it's a really older song. And a lot of people are going to be, I, also, okay, I don't, it doesn't mean anything to me. Is this a normal thing that happens when your internet goes down? You just start making parody songs? Yeah, that was one <laughs> thing. But then it's hard to do when you have no internet. It's like, I can't even, how do I, 
hard oh, even to, to tune things. But anyway, thank you for the kind words. Of and course. It was, it's a lot of fun. Can I tell you that I hate how much I like it? See? <laughs> right? Because I open it, I'm just like, okay, it's, it's going to be dumb. And I'm like, oh, I, I like this <laughs> one. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. That's it. A lot but of them I are feel just like, like you're just trying yeah. to rob the listeners of musical glory, but that's fine. No, no, no. You just, hate the uh, listeners. It's the good. The radio, we talk about sports. That's what people are here for. If you want to hear that, go to, you It's know, about sports. Go to, go to Twitter or X, and then you can hear it there. Or maybe they'll, I don't, you know, there's lots of copyright laws now, too, and stuff, so I get all that. So, anyway, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, end of the show, Chris. Okay, nine one six. Don't be, don't be insubordinate, Whitey, of me right now, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, boy. Took a lot longer than it should have taken, I'll tell you that. Um, this is awful. I'm sorry to bring it to your attention, but uh, you should know about it. I'd rather you hear about it here than on the street somewhere. Uh, Peter King. Peter King actually historically does pretty well with his predictions. The great Peter King, even. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Loves football. He loves him as football. Today in a football morning in America, he makes his predictions. Normally these things are so dumb, it's like, it's September, and we're talking about what's going to happen in February. Right. But his are pretty good. He says the 49ers are going to go 13-4 and four this year. Mm. That'd be the 10th time in franchise history they uh, secured a top seed. Um, he says the Niners are still a very good football team. says they have to sign Nick Bosa. But he says the season is going to end with them uh, losing to the number five-seeded Dallas Cowboys in the divisional round. Ew. Sorry. That's what he says. Gross. He's obviously not always right. So he's got the 49ers with a bye ah. during Super Wild Card Weekend. Oh, my. And then losing to the Cowboys. Ew. Ew, 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 ew. I don't know why. I don't know why ew. he's doing that. At this point, is losing to Dallas worse than losing to Seattle? At this point, I know like, you know, eight, ten years ago that was unthinkable, but. It's close, but probably. Yeah, right. That's a great it's question. really nasty. Especially if Trey Lance is on the sidelines just snickering at Kyle like this after the win. That's a great point, though, because as you know, it's obviously you're alluding to the fact that when you had Harbaugh and Pete Carroll, that was a lot of rivalry as we've seen in Northern California. Yeah, no. It was was up there with Lakers, Kings in a lot of ways, Giants, Dodgers, and all that. I had some friends who would go watch the Niners play up in Seattle, and they said, like, basically they felt very good that they left that place with their life intact. Like, it was that... It was that chaotic between Niner and Seahawk fan. Like it was really bad. And then it died down. And then, but the Cowboys, 49ers was always kind of mm-hmm. bubbling under the surface. And then it rises back up. Right. And then they've played each other twice in the playoffs. Niners obviously gotten the last the wins the last two seasons in the playoffs. Uh, who can forget the uh, great offensive lineman Zeke Elliott? Uh, for the Dallas Cowboys at the end of that game. But those were both really good games. I mean, Dallas is. It pains me to say it, obviously, as a 49ers fan. I think the Niners are a better team, but Dallas is a really good roster. The only thing I see with Dallas is it's always drama there, Mm -hmm. and I think Mike McCarthy calling plays this season is totally intentional to get him out of there. I just wonder if they start slow, will he be there halfway through the season? That's a good and question. and will the and will just the drama in Dallas overtake everything? Yeah. Uh last year and I'd forgotten I remember the game, I'd forgotten that it was twenty three seventeen. That was very close. Yeah, no, it was in a- my mind and the other game was close too the year before mm-hmm. in Dallas, but in my mind it's like, oh yeah, the forty ers beat the Cowboys easily. No, that was really, uh <laughs> you remember that crazy no, last play two years ago. And that's funny because the team they beat 
prior to that in the the wild card round was the Seahawks and they did, they manhandled Seattle. So it's like you had these two rivalries go and then yeah, you went up against Dallas last year and it, it took a lot for the 49ers especially in the second half to come away with that victory. Like I felt especially going into the halftime like Ooh, Dallas might have them this year and that's just like I said it's just a gross feeling to lose to Dallas. I think Jerry Jones has done a great job. He's learned how to put a team together. <laughs> And draft better. Really, I think he's done a really a much improved job of drafting. Yeah. When you look at that one draft, the Trey Lance draft, the Cowboys ended up with the number three pick, Trey Lance, and the number 12 pick, Michael, Michael Parsons. Parsons. Who's pretty good, I hear. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, there's still something fundamentally flawed about the way it's all put together. And to me, it's what you just talked about the fact that you got jerry jones but he, the coaches are just there to do what jerry tells them to do right that's why jason garrett lasted so long there right everyone would be like how the hell does jason garrett still have a job it's because he totally jerry told him what to do and jason did it because jason's like i want to collect a paycheck yes and yes. i don't feel like mike mccarthy though is that guy <laughs> Like, I don't feel like Mike McCarthy is going to do something because Jerry Jones wants him to. Mm. And that's why I think he's been thrusted in as the de facto offensive coordinator. And I don't, I just don't see that ending well. I didn't see it ending well the minute it happened. And Dallas had a top-tier offense last year, too. And now you're going to do this to McCarthy? I'm like, ooh, that's just, you're setting the guy up to fail, and I feel like you're doing it on purpose. Yeah, and I think the players know that, okay, he's the coach, but he's not really in charge. Right. Yeah, and, and I he, think ultimately, I think there's a price to be paid for that, and I think that's well, one thing that's keeping them from becoming a better team. Can, I think they've kind of keep bumping up against that same ceiling. Can you ever remember a time where it worked out well for any team in any sport where the head coach was just more like, you're the guy to keep the lights on. You're not really making the decisions. You could argue, and I hate to do this because it's kind of insulting to the guys that won there, but you could argue that Al Davis did that to a degree after, especially after John Madden left. Okay. Um, but, you know, Tom Flores is a legitimate Hall of Famer, but especially after he left, I think we really saw. I think it's just a bunch of guys coming in and they were just supposed to do what Al told him to do. Yeah, I, you know, he'd lost touch with the game a little bit. And I had felt that way for a little bit when Spolstra took over in Miami. Obviously, huh. he but he showed out that he was a really great NBA coach. But it, for a little bit there, it feels like, oh, you're just the guy that's making you're running what Pat Riley wants you to do. But I, I think over the years, Spolstra has proved that's not right. I agree with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. 100%. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, so I that to me is that that's that's their issue. That's one thing about the 49ers is Kyle ain't checking his jet. What do you, no, what yeah. do you want me to do for all well, the criticism of Kyle? He's well, not doing that. Remember, that's uh, and, and it took Jed a hard lesson to learn not to do that when you know he wanted basically more control and Harbaugh just kind of LOL'd him and it's like, okay, I'll bring in Jim Tom Sula to show you guys. And ooh, yeah. ooh. Still maybe the most awkward press conference I've ever watched. (laughs) I still think, um, you know, some people say, oh, they should have never gotten rid of Harbaugh. That was such a weird situation. And some of it, I think, Harbaugh is just the type that will grind people. Yes. Uh, You're around him and he's successful. But then after a while, it's like, we just can't keep doing this. It's kind of, to me, it's like the Tom Thibodeau effect, right? Like you bring the guy in when you want to reset your culture and they're really good at what they do, but yeah, af- but they have a they have a shelf life to them. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, I think Thibodeau has outlived his shelf life shelf life in New York. To be honest, but yeah, I think Harbaugh's the type of guy who has it's a shelf different life. In college, college, yes, you can college last is longer. way different because yeah. you're bringing in new recruits and new. You have a new team essentially every year in college, where it's like, man, after you've played for Harbaugh for three, four, five seasons in the NFL, you're kind of over it. How long is Dion going to be a college coach? Well, don't answer that. 
Uh, we'll get to that on the other side. Also, you're really not supposed to be able to lose like that. Next here, Whitey and Watkins. We've got uh, J-Mars in for Chris today. Sacktown Sports, happy Monday. Egg on my face. I know I said happy Monday and it's Tuesday. Sorry. Ha, you made a mistake. I know. Loser. Big, Loser. One. Big one, too. <laughs> Think of all the people that flew into blind panic. What? It's Monday. So, anyway, uh, I asked you the question, J-Mars. J-Mars in for Chris Watkins. How long before our primetime? Leaves college and becomes an NFL coach. Ooh, Colorado, wow. one of the one of the big stories of the college football weekend. Oh yeah, beating number seventeen TCU team that went to the national title game. They were supposed to stomp on Colorado. Yeah, uh, old Coach Prime was having some fun post game with a lot of those receipts he said he had kept. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if Dion goes to the NFL. I feel like Dion is perfect for the college game. Like, he really is that guy, you know, because I think part of what makes Dion such a great college coach is that ability to recruit, that ability to walk into somebody's house and be like, I'm Dion Sanders. You're going to come play football for me today. Yeah. Like, that doesn't work at the NFL. No, no. There's something about the um, – I know we talk about certain coaches and the pros of having kind of a my way or the highway vibe, but it's a lot easier for college coaches yes. to have that. Again, because you, you control so much at the college level – and again, once guys are tired of you, they're already going on to the NFL or they're graduating. You got a whole new crop of guys that you can put this this aura, the Deion Sanders mystique onto. So I don't know. I don't know if Deion ever goes to the NFL. I, I will bet you this though, so long as everything goes, you know, well at Colorado, he will get several offers. You know? He will get several offers to go to the NFL. Well, I think that's I think thing. I might know somebody who would give him an offer at some point in a few years. He played for me, and he was a very good player. But I'll bet you Primetime's way too smart to ever be the coach for the Cowboys. Do you like, think I'm that— not doing that. Yeah, I don't think Prime ever goes there, but I could definitely see Jerry thinking to himself, well, I need to make a headline today. Yes, yes. Let's offer Dion the job. Yeah, yeah. While McCarthy's still our coach. <laughs> Dude, we might be in week eight, and Jerry's offering Prime the job. Like, don't put it past him. Yeah, I'm not saying it's going to happen like by the end of the year or anything, but um, that that wouldn't surprise me at all. If the Cowboys pursue Deion Sanders. Yeah, they would be the one team I think that would make the most sense just because, again, you have an owner that wants to make a splash. Who would be another team you think? The Raiders? Like, I could see Mark Davis thinking to himself, yes. like, this is the fix. Yes. And, again, I think Prime is too smart, having played in the league for so long and knowing what it is to go to, to, go to Vegas. You know, mm-hmm. Dion's not a big uh, into drinking or anything or gambling like that. Anyways, I can't imagine Dion wants to live in Vegas. The thinking of his old stomping grounds, uh, the ATL. I don't know. Eh, uh, that would make more sense. He's too smart to go anywhere where they're not already good. Yeah, you know, that's he's not going to go somewhere thinking, well, we'll turn this whole. I don't he might be able to. But, you know, the Ooh. really smart coaches know um, I'm going to go somewhere where they already should have been winning. They're underperforming, and all I got to do is go there, and I'm okay. going to look like a genius if I don't do anything. I got one for you. When Bill Belichick decides to hang it up, huh? New England, the tradition, the Patriot way. Is that a tough act to follow, even if um, they have fallen off? It, You know what? It depends on how long they've fallen off, right? Because, I mean, the Patriots really haven't been great for three years now. Let's say they're not great this year. Belichick comes back next year. They're not great. Five years later, I, I don't think at all. I think, actually, it's an easier act to follow the longer it goes on. Maybe so. I just think, Dion, like we were saying, and, and you pointed this out before I did, 
Deion Sanders goes in there with college kids. It's like, <gasps> yes. And with the NFL, some guys would be like that, but it's a lot more difficult. Oh, he's the coach he used to play. You know, Especially for now. veterans, he right? used to play. Yeah. Especially, the, well, <laughs> yeah. And even the younger guys are like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> like yes. Anthony Edwards with A-Rod. <laughs> who, who is he? I don't know who he is. That's a crazy one. I still, I, I link that more to Anthony Edwards just did not care about baseball, right? Like, that has to be it. Because if you know the slightest <laughs> thing about baseball, like the most casual person knows who Alex Rodriguez is. Yes. Anthony the Edwards. man kissed himself in the mirror. Anthony Edwards was not very good today, by the way. No, he but you know, anyway, we'll get to you that. You know who but, was. Yes, I do. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to that coming up. But uh, college football, uh, another crazy thing that happened last night. How does this happen? Uh, Clemson, let's see, they threw for 200 yards last night. Ugh. Clemson also ran for 200 yards last night. Uh, they had 12 more first downs, 48 more yards than Duke, and Duke beats them 28-7. to 7. It, That's not supposed to even happen. The greatness of Coach K, right? <laughs> yes. Oh, wait, this is football? Mm-hmm. Oh. Dabo Sweeney said, it's almost indescribable what I just saw. Screw Dabo it's Sweeney. It's incredibly <laughs> frustrating when you had so much opportunity. It's routine stuff, the basics, the fundamentals, basic, basic stuff. Yeah, it's first of all, it's like I only found out Duke had a football team when Daniel Jones got drafted. Not that they didn't have one before, but it's like obviously we know Duke is a basketball school. But like over the last several years, they've kind of made themselves into this competent football team. And so, yeah, and when you look at the statistics, number one, how the hell does it happen? Number two, did you are you noticing a weird um, it's not parallel but the difference of when people celebrate Duke basketball versus football. It's like Duke football we look at is like, oh my God, that is adorable. This, yes. this underdog yes. school coming oh, good up. good for them. Where it's like if Duke basketball wins, it's like, oh my God, everybody hate them. They're the worst people alive. That's a great point. But they did. It was almost like they were storming the court after the yes. football. I mean, that's victory. Clemson. It's a very good football school. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's the equivalent of Duke losing in basketball um, okay, this is a little hyperbolic, but follow me here. It's like Duke losing to Sac State. <laughs> Again, I know it's a bit hyperbolic. I understand Very that. hyperbolic. Thank you. <laughs> but you get the point I'm trying to make. It wasn't supposed to happen. Uh, Clemson struggled in uh, what I call the red zone. I don't know if you're familiar with that term. I've heard of it. Yeah. Two, it's that uh, TV channel, see. right? Two short field goals were blocked. Two fumbles by the offense following a first and goal at the one. So that's how you lose when you yeah. rush for 200, you throw for 200, uh, it's you get in the red zone and yeah. then just throw up on yourself part of those, repeatedly. Part of those 200s is that you have to get the ball in the end zone or through the uprights within that number, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how that works? Okay, cool. Yeah, but it's very it's painfully early in the college football season. Who do you yeah. think? Uh, Duke, by the way, had not beaten a top 10 program since 1989. <laughs> Okay, so my Sac State reference isn't that often. <laughs> Who did, uh, wasn't it, Dave, didn't Davis, uh, what was that, 2010? Davis beat Stanford? Yeah, yeah. I, I remember that. Was that, that's not the same year. Did they, then I think they went and beat him in basketball too later. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, that, I think that's pre-Jim Les though, right? Jim was at Bradley still. I don't know yes. who was the head coach there for basketball. But no, it's just, what do you think is going to be a, a more interesting, what would be a more interesting development Duke turning into a a good college football team, a top 25, or Dion taking Colorado and being like a top 10 school this year? I think it's Dion because it's just already people have already gravitated to what he's doing. It's so good, you know, especially now college football with things falling apart, different conferences. 
which doesn't really affect what's on the field, but something's lost in terms of the tradition. Yeah. College football could use a boost. And Dion right now, I mean, one, I know it's only one game, but man, he's just, people are just electrified by what he's done. Do you think it will be just one game or do you think, I mean, very successful Jackson state, very successful. Do you think? Oh yeah. I'm not saying it will only be one game. That's what I'm wondering. Is it just like, Oh my God, this is one great moment. Or is it like, Okay, like what they said, we really underestimated what Dion was going to bring to Colorado, and we should have really took seriously what he was doing at a mid-major in Jackson State. Yeah, I do. Don't you? Yeah, I mean, I get that feeling. Um, like I said, it, it, it'd be one thing to have competed with TCU. They went in there and, and beat them pretty handily. Mm-hmm. That, that to me, says there's way more meat on the bone of Colorado is actually a good yeah. football program right you got, now. You got continental, son. That's what they did to is them. Is that what happened? That's what happened. Nice. Yeah. That's exactly what our Prime said in the uh, post, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't think he's going to go to the NFL? No. I think he'll be intrigued by it. I think he'll have overtures. I don't think he ultimately goes. I think he'll just have a chance to make too much more money. Yeah. I think somebody's going to get goofy now, about the amount of money they offer. But again, we're talking, you know, at least two years. But the other side of that, too, is I don't see him going to the NFL. I also don't see him finishing in call. I don't see him in Colorado in five years. I see him, again, moving up that order in the uh, what is the remains of the Power Five. <laughs> you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I can see him at an SEC school. In five years. He's going to end up at Florida State, isn't he? I mean, that makes the most sense when you talk about... If he wants to. If he wants to. and it, you, Florida State's a good school to go to, uh, not just from the traditional standpoint that he played there. I mean, this is a team that is like a legitimately good football program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if he wants to go there, I think that would definitely be a thing. Coming up next, the FIBA World Cup. Guess what? It starts to get very interesting Ooh. now, and that's next year on Whitey and Watkins with J-Mars in today's Sacktown Sports. Whitey and Watkins now on YouTube. Search Sacktown Sports and watch the show from your desk. Thanks for being with us today, Whitey Gleason and Jay Mars. You know, the World Cup is going on in the Philippines, and I was reading an article last week about what's going on in the Philippines, and my wife is from, or her father's from the Philippines, and so she's told me about some of the things they eat there that, mm-hmm. that are a little different than what we uh, would eat here. But this article talked about something called <clears throat> fried pig face. And I'd never oh. heard of that. Have you ever? <laughs> I just got heard I've been called that a couple times, but I've never yeah, heard of it as food. I've never heard of that. And I forgot to ask Shinya if she's ever heard of that. But um, yeah, that's. I know there are some strange things, you know, from an American standpoint, they eat some strange things. But fried pig face actually sounds pretty straightforward it's still not something that i would have at the top of my list really even if it was like you know the pig face had like it was juicy meat well fried you got me considering it yes, you start right? with fried, I'm you like, start oh, fried. pig face well fried pig face well so kind of like bacon I mean, <laughs> that's what i was thinking i'm like okay is this just a different form of bacon it might be it might be uh, I, I don't know if uh, anybody listening uh, does fried pig face on the reg We'll, we'll try it. If in any way, <laughs> shape, or form you can look at it and go, whoa, that looks like a pig's face, I don't want it. But if it's just strips of, like, if it looks like bacon, it's like, So as long yeah, as you I'm, don't see eyes or a snout, you're good? Exactly. <laughs> I'm looking at pictures online right now, yeah. and you can tell it's a face. Okay, okay I, probably, well, well. I probably wouldn't want any then. 
What do you think, Chris? Especially after you were out last week with some stomach issues. You ready for some fried fig, uh, fried pig face? I'd wait a week or two, but okay. yeah, I'd, I'd try it. Yeah, yeah, I'm open to those things. Worth a try. Yeah. I mean, lumpia is like the one Oh, lumpia is the greatest thing ever. Yes. Lumpia and I love ponset. I was oh, going to say, man, yes. I love ponset. Yes. Mm-hmm. Chicken adobo. I mean, right, pig if face. you've never if you've never dabbled in Filipino cuisine, you're you're missing out. It is delicious. You ever heard of something called balut? Yes. Oh, you have. Okay. I have. So then you know about mm-hmm. some of these strange. They're good though. Is it? They're good. Oh, I've never had that one. Oh, try it. No. Why? I don't want that. Don't be that guy. I just would. Don't rather be not that, eat that guy. I'd rather not eat it. That's all. You'd rather be that guy. It might be good, but I'd rather not eat it. That's all. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the U.S. has been. I don't know. Eating well or something. They did lose a game to, um, they lost to Lithuania, but they bounced back and beat Italy. They by pounded the, Italy. And Lithuania out of the tournament now. Yes. They lost. Well, by losing to Lithuania, then the U.S. played Italy today, and then Lithuania had to play Slovenia. And, and uh, Slovenia that, that Luker guy, right? Out. Yes. Yeah. The U.S. beats Italy 100-63. to Did you watch that game this morning? Did you get up in time? I watched the second half. I forgot. How do you forget FIBA World Cup basketball? <laughs> yeah, I was up, um, I think, before it started, and I just I had Dude, forgotten. And the I you- saw the scores like, oh, I could have been watching the FIBA World Cup. Yeah. Shame on me. No, I only saw I'm the- a fried pig face. Wow. <laughs> just all sorts of wow. I'm going to leave that one alone. But you could tell the U.S., they were just toying with Italy today. I mean, you have... Tyrese Halliburton, who had an amazing game, by the way. I think he was 6 of 8 from 3. Throwing uh, between-the-leg alley-oops to Paolo Bancaro, which I thought was really mean given the whole Bancaro-Italy issue. I don't know. Have you been up on that? Like, apparently Bancaro committed, allegedly, committed to play for Italy. Now, he has Italian citizenship because his dad... I, I, I don't know how that works, but he's born and raised in the United States. <laughs> right. And, well, Kyle Anderson was playing for China. so Yeah, and I don't remember. What what was the basis of Anderson getting his citizenship there? Is uh, it a parent? He used to live in the same neighborhood as a Chinese restaurant. So Why do I feel like you're lying, but also feel like that's super believable? <laughs> it was the same area as a Chinese restaurant. So, no, I think it's... Something on his mom's side, right? I don't know. But anyway, so yeah, so Bancaro, that's been a whole issue. And like the Italian Federation has just made a big deal about Uh. this, you know, that he basically lied to them and he's this terrible person. You know, they asked Paolo yesterday if he had any comments. I don't know if you saw his elaborate answer. Did not. I can recite the whole thing. You ready? Yeah. No. Okay. (laughs) But yeah, so they move in and I believe they play the winner of Lativa. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Latvia. Latvia. And who's Latvia playing? Deutschland. Ah, yes. Germany. Yes. And I believe, so, has the U.S. played Germany already? They played them in their practice round. And it and beat was a pretty them pretty good. good. I think oh, they no, it was pulled a good away, but I think it was a really good game. Uh, Germany has some size, and that has given the U.S. some problems. So, yeah, Americans, they reach the gold medal game if they win Friday in a semifinal against either Germany or Latvia. And you also have... Uh, Bogey's still alive, too. Yes. Serbia's still alive. Yeah, Serbia. Uh, Serbia's still alive. Uh, the team, though, that I think... I think the matchup, obviously, we selfishly want to see, just because I think it is the best matchup from when you look at the two rosters. It's U.S. versus Canada, right? Oh, Canada. Yes. Canada plays uh, Slovenia. Yeah. No, that'll be a tough test with the old Luker there. But, man, Canada's got a good squad. When did Canada become so basketballically relevant? 
in like the last 10 years, man, they have put out some top-notch NBA And those talent. are legitimate Canadian guys. Yes, yeah. It's they're not, not like the Kyle Anderson rule. Right, no, they didn't just play for the Raptors for a year and magically got Canadian I watched a hockey game on TV, now I'm going to play for Canada. No, these guys are born in Canada. Yeah, I've always found it strange, the guys who uh, end up getting citizenship, and you can tell they just want to play, whether it's the Olympics or the tournament. So look at, like, Serge Ibaka, when he was playing for Spain, was always a fun one. Uh, Chris Kamen in Germany. Mm-hmm. Like, Chris Kamen was, like, born and raised in the United States. <laughs> There's a few other ones. I think the most egregious one I saw, though, was the World Baseball Classic when uh, Randy Rosarino was playing for Mexico because his baby mama. Was, really? Yes. Randy Orisa is 0% Mexican. Bruce Bochy was managing France. Is, but is, I don't think they got out of the qualifiers, it, but they sent him over there, you know, because he's French. I think he was born there. But oh, if he's been, born there, at yeah. least. I mean, come oh, on. Yeah, I'm not saying he shouldn't be there. It's just kind of curious. Well, oh, I have no problem with guys coaching you or managing. How bad, you're, you're Bruce Bochy. Pardon me. I didn't, I'm sorry for interrupting. That's oh, fine. You're Bruce Bochy. You've managed in the World Series. And you go, here's your theme. Uh, <laughs> monsieur, this is your French national team. We do not get in front of the ground ball. <laughs> yeah. Those guys are terrible. God, yeah, suck. I got to yeah. come out of he's like a retirement hero. managed Texas. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Box score, USA over Italy, 100 to 63. Here's what worries me. Maybe he just wasn't interested. Anthony Edwards, he's the guy, right? He's him. He's the face of this team. He had three points today, one of six field goal shooting, uh, one of five from the three-point line. So, overall, two of 11. I think, personally, he was just in a trance watching Tyrese Halliburton destroy Italy today. Tyrese Halliburton played really well. I feel like Tyrese's game is perfect for FIBA. Like, he is just one of those. There are certain players that... And the international game? The international game just really works out for them. I mean, Tyrese... And I really like what the U.S. has done with this FIBA World Cup roster. It's not just go get too. the. It's not just go get the twelve best you. players. I love this roster. They have it's 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 a talented roster, one through twelve, but it's pieces that fit together. You know, and it's I, a little small. A little small, but you know what? NBA likes to play small ball basketball, and Steve Kerr loves it. Oh yeah. No, you don't think you don't think there's any coincidence that Steve Kerr, the guy who coaches a team with nobody over six nine, also has a a quote unquote small team. They didn't the even US. start a center today. They started um, three guards and then two forwards. Death but, you, know, you play some of the, uh, somebody. If you play Germany, it would be they do have Kessler on the bench. But it'd be nice to have. A, yeah. I don't know why you don't have a little size available. And, and That's folks, what I don't understand. It, Walker Kessler, not King's Legend Kessler. S words, right? Right, right. <laughs> Walker Kessler. Yes. Yeah. By the way, Walker Kessler is going to be an all star in the league. <laughs> He's really is he already good. better than Gobert, the guy that they. I mean, if you factor in contract and attitude, age, all of that, if you had to start a roster today, Whitey, and you had Walker it's Kessler or Rudy close. Gobert, it's Walker yeah. Kessler, right? Yes, yeah. yes. Walker, you stay, and Rudy, you're walking. Yeah. yeah. And, and by the way, how did France do in the FIBA World Cup? Boy, he, uh, old Rudy was talking. Yeah, old Rudy was talking about how <laughs> difficult it was. I, did you see Tony Parker, like, ripped him specifically and France like a new I didn't one. see that, but good. <laughs> yeah. Tony Parker is a good Frenchman, uh, the Olympics, quality human being. The Olympics are going to be in France, though, so they'll, oh. they will bounce back. Well, they get automatic qualifier, right, because of that? I assume so. That's one of the good things about the, the USA in the FIBA World Cup. They did qualify. Yeah, for they're the qualified, so they don't have to play in any sort of, like, because there is an Olympic qualifying tournament yeah. if you don't make yeah, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, coming up next, how much does it matter that the newest king has won three rings? Is that a ring thing, or is it uh, really 
uh, something doesn't matter. That's next year. Whitey and Watkins, Sackdown Sports.